Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Today's readings are, the well, the first one is Judges, chapter 5, verse 2. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. The next reading is Matthew 20, verse 25 through 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The next reading is from John 13, um, verses 12 through 15. When he was finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And the last reading is Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Um, may God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. If uh, Linda were here, she would tell you how uh, she has watched me struggle with these the titles of these sermons, it's always something, I come up with 10 or 12 titles and then try to fit the sermon because they have to be printed before the sermon's finished. But this is the theme. I, I wanted to uh, uh, focus on the leadership again and the issues of uh, what people are doing and understanding how God works in, on earth for heaven's sake, but how God works to lead his people. Um, Certainly, there's a, a leadership of the world that wants to lead his people away from the Lord. And so uh, this week I was saddened uh, when I heard about Ravi Zacharias Ministries. If you haven't heard about that, there's another story where after his death, um, he's been accused of some um, scandals and it's been verified. And so there's things that happen, it just uh, take away from Try, that's trying to destroy what God is doing. And <clears throat> I won't say anything more about that, except I know that, that what Jeremiah was talking about, that there are things that we go through as Christians that we don't seem to at least have the courage to deal with the deeper things in the heart. And as Jeremiah would say, they heal the wound of my people superficially, but there's something on the inside that needs to be addressed and touched and changed. And yet when you have this outer performance and this outer shell uh, 
for for me as a pastor, as any public speaker or any uh, celebrity um, pastor who's out there, there's a scrutiny, and it should be a scrutiny, on uh, on the internal life, and therefore it's easy to uh, live in the role and not have the integrity inside. That's that's always true, and so it's easy for us to pretend that we. We know God better than we do. And so as we get into this issue, there are things that God wants to do on the inside, as he would say to the Pharisees, as he would say to all of us, that we are to clean the inside of the cup. But to do so <clears throat> means that, that there, are, there are ways of thinking about the Lord and, and to know him well enough that would allow him to work on the inside. And that's what we want to do here at CBC. We... We have just come through a time of Christmas to celebrate the advent of Christ, the coming of the Messiah. Uh, we call him the Savior. We understand that as Gentiles, that we are now been given eternal life. We've been born again. We have a new standing in Christ. And so because of Christ, we understand and celebrate the gospel of Christ. But sometimes we forget, <clears throat> don't we, that there's a indwelling Holy Spirit and that the coming, the advent of the Holy Spirit uh, is also at work. And so we would celebrate his coming as well. Um, there was a man in the third century named Tertullian. And as many of the early church fathers would try to understand what Christ did on the cross, they would study Paul like we're studying Paul. And we'll get back to Paul here uh, this year, but Tertullian understood Paul, I think, very, very well. And he understood that, <clears throat> and he said that the coming of Christ was the fulfilling of the law, but the coming of the Holy Spirit was the fulfilling of the Gospels. And as we understand, as Jesus taught, as John the Baptist taught, as the leaders, as we were taught, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will baptize us in water and in fire. And the idea that there's a cleansing for the forgiveness of our sins on the cross, but the fire, that, that passage in Isaiah, that, that when he comes, he will purify his people. And who will stand who will stand in his judgment? That, that will shake. But this idea of God wants to cleanse us on the inside, it's a wonderful, wonderful promise that when Jesus the Messiah comes and the government will be on his shoulders, that leadership will be operational as we follow the Holy Spirit of Christ. And therefore the government of, of the Messiah enacted by the giving of the peace when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. There's a subtleness in your heart that you sense that God is leading you and me and all of his body to this wonderful counsel. The revelation from Abraham to John and the revelation, <clears throat> God wants you to know him. And understanding that that he is going to glorify Christ in you. Wow. We, we, there's so much 
that we have to enjoy and to celebrate in 2021. And so as you start this year, I'm personally inviting you to stop and think, what's going to happen in your life? What is the Lord doing? How is he leading you and us together corporately? But to think about the purposes of God according to the promises that he's made, according to the desires of the Holy Spirit, according to the purposes that he wants to accomplish. Now, if I had $10,000, I would go back to this <clears throat> this little sentence because this is a this is a nugget. So, listen as I I share what I learned from Ashwin Ram. This is not a Christian, it's not a biblical. It's coming from computer science actually. But it's really the um it will help you understand in the cognitive psychology, <clears throat> the research that they talk about education and learning uh, from machine learning to human learning, the idea is that a research supports the view that the learning process, learning to follow someone, learning to do something, the learning process is strongly influenced and estimated and measured value is by your goals. If your goals aren't set then the information may or may not have value for you. <clears throat> but the core idea of goal-driven learning is that learning is an active and a strategic process in which the learner, computer or cell phone or whatever's interacting with that language, you attempt to identify and satisfy its information needs. And if you don't have a need for that information because it doesn't contribute to the goal, you won't value that information. And so it's the goals that determine the value of the information you get. No goals, no value. But with goals, there's determination says, I want this to get that. And therefore, the leading of the Holy Spirit is really going to uh, concentrate on one thing. And so let me put this as Dallas Willard would say, that what we want to do at Chesterland Baptist, and hopefully among all churches that are biblical in orientation, we want to have a spiritual formation that your life, your spirit, your faith, your hope, your joy, your understanding, your mindset, your worldview, whatever you want to call all of that, that your formation refers to the work of the Holy Spirit driving you towards his goals. And the process of forming you on the inside, your inner world of your own being, yourself, your personality, all that you are as a man or a woman, in such a way that you reflect that inner person of Christ. Isn't that a, that, that's a wonderful promise. It's like, wow, but that's a, so audacious. Requires a faith way beyond you and I have, and therefore it requires the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us into that. And Paul would say, I haven't got that far. I'm not that developed. I don't understand the Lord that well. I, my faith is kind of wavering the wind with this virus and I'm shaking like a weeping willow on a 90-mile-hour storm wind. Not that I've already obtained it, 
nor am I already perfect, but I press on. There's the strategy. There's the goal. I press on to make it my own. And if you own this, if that's your goal, then and only then will you be paying attention to the Holy Spirit. If that's not your goal, you won't be listening and you won't be following. Christ Jesus has made you his own. I don't know what it is about my car, but I go over to Mayfield Heights and I get past that intersection where there's left turn lane and all of a sudden the car just turns left and drives into that parking spot right in front of half price books. I love that. <laughs> and I bought a book, a $3 clearance book. It's, it's ridiculous because a guy spends 30 years studying Isaiah and I get it for three bucks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, and so I've been I've been enjoying this, but when I was in the half-price books the other day in one of those cubicles masked up by myself, I was looking at several things. I was in the Jewish section, and I was in the Christian living section, and in the middle of this thing, uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't, God just... It wasn't an audible voice, but it wasn't a, a, a angel feathers or neon lights from heaven. Shocking. It was just a voice inside that says, Jerry, you belong to me. And I stopped. I th- where did that come from? You ever have those thoughts where you feel like God is leading you? And those impressions that you really are called to respond to? Sure you have. Some you question, some you don't, but that one was very clear. And I just stopped in the middle of it all and said, yeah, Lord. And I was worshiping on a Saturday afternoon in the cubicle of half price books. That was my little temple. I said, Lord, thank you. I did it. I, I was just reminded that I belong to Christ. And I don't know what that does for you, but for me, it settles me. It clarifies, I don't have to do anything for the world. I don't have to do anything for you. I'm not out to improve prove anything. I'm just an ordinary guy walking with Christ, and Christ speaks. And I think, thank you, Lord. I've grown, but I'm but I'm just telling you, I don't have those experiences very often. And I sometimes question what my <laughs> thinking is. But if you're like me, you would say as well, I don't know how to do that very well. And none of us really do. It's my weakness and it's my strength. Because God uses that weakness to say, it's not about your achievement. It's about your response to me. I'm giving you the grace. And so in the middle of that, I'm just thinking, God wants to change me on the inside. And this, my goals, my heart, really are invited to share his goals and his heart. So let me ask you, are his goals your goals? Do you know how he leads in your life? And being sensitive to the Spirit when he's at work and he's tapping 
tapping you on the shoulder. I, I, I've said many times, if you are depressed, rejoice. Because depression is one of those things. If it's not a hormonal or chemical imbalance and it's not physiologically established, but God uses depression. And, and once in sadness, we, we are in a lamentable time. And we should be sad, if you're honest, because there's a lot of things that are sad going on. And yet, in that darkness, there's a sense of God speaking to you. It's okay, you are mine. I will, I will give you the light. I will give you the guidance. And if you're not listening to that, what kind of spirituality are you developing to offer to the world? And if you're not actively seeking Christ, you're passively ignoring him. And therefore, you're missing out on so much that he wants to do for us. Remember what I wanted to say last year? I was pushing this and teaching this and asking a lot of people, what was the theme last fall? Do you remember that? Uh, I see you're scratching your head and your eyeballs are rolling, so both gears are going. Looking, Where was that? I was talking about Paul. And what Paul wanted you and me to know is that his heart was set free. The whole book of Galatians is that your heart, your mind, your soul, your emotions, your will, it's free in Christ. And if you enjoy that, naturally you would tell why. But Paul was the apostle of the heart set free. And so as the Spirit would lead you to do that, recognize that if you're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you could also be misled by people who have a different goal. And that's what was the problem in Galatians. Who bewitched you? Paul would say, you're going the wrong way. Aren't you paying attention? And yet... There are leaders who are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, who have got personal goals, certain institutional agendas, and they draw lines or they put pressure on people. And you know some of these men. You've had people who are not changed on the inside but focused on the outside, and therefore their leadership takes over a sense of feel of power and control and domination. Spiritual leaders have always been tempted to control or coerce, to shame, to bully, to press people into activities for one reason or the other, and it may not necessarily be a godly goal. But why do leaders lord it over why do certain people hammer and, and push? Well, lots of reasons. Some because they're young and insecure and don't know much, except that's the way they grew up, and they just kind of minister the way they grew up, not being led by the Spirit. But some people do it because they want to look successful. Some leaders do it because, well, people are lazy. They're not taking responsibility. Therefore, i got to tell them what to do. And there are people who think don't have a lot of respect or love for the congregation. They really hammer on the sheep. Relationships are so complex. People are hard to work with. People are hard to love. And it drives me crazy. One pastor, <laughs> one pastor was in a church and he said, this lady came in and she always came in and I could always hear, hear her heel as she walked through the hallway and 
And I got up from my desk and I hid behind the door. I shut the door and I hid behind the door, hoping she would look in so she wouldn't see me at my desk. But what did she do? She peeked right in that crack. And she, and she came in anyway. Little patience for people who are whatever. But I will say that there's a fundamental error in people who lord it over. They don't understand the Lord because the Lord has all authority, sovereign and wisdom, holy, perfect, and every reason to have you get in line, but he somehow is more gentle and patient and waiting for us. He could really make us do lots of things. But the Lord's Spirit has his agenda. And a lot of people who don't wait on the Lord, a lot of pastors don't trust the Spirit to work in his people. That's a big issue. It's a growing issue. As a pastor, as a decision maker, I could tell you what to do and put you under pressure, but that's me. You're not here to follow me. You're here to follow the head of the church, Jesus Christ, and to follow the Spirit in following him. And that's why God gave the church leaders and deacons and deaconesses and, and mature people that they can help people point back to Christ. That's why we're here. So you have to ask, I have to ask, am I leading or am I lording? Or am I pointing people back to Christ? Well, just want you to know that there's a dark side of leadership. And there's a lot of people in the scriptures that you'll see examples of bad leaders. But Jesus called these guys together and he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, this is the way the world works. If they want results, they'll step on people. You may have worked with some of those bosses. And the high officials exercise authority. I will tell you, I would challenge anyone to say what's going on in our government right now is spirit-led. It's fleshly. It's divisive. It's not of God. And therefore... Not so with you. If you are following the Holy Spirit, you must become a servant. Not self-serving, but others-centered. For the Son of Man did not come to be served or elevated to position to be honored as Lord, though he was and is, and rightfully so, but he says, I am your teacher and Lord, and if I give you an example, you follow my goal of serving others. Therefore, the word of the Lord is for all of us is he's here to comfort. Comfort ye, my people. Remember what comfort is? Come means with. Fort means strength. Give my people strength. Comfort ye, my people. The warfare is over as you listen to the Spirit. And therefore, the invitation for any of us in any ministry, any relationships that we have, we want to encourage people and trust God to do. We don't do it for our own glory. As Paul would say, we don't lord it over your faith. I'm not dictating what you have to do. But we work 
with you for your joy because it's by your faith you stand not by any put anybody putting pressure on you so you will stand on your own on a saturday or tuesday or wednesday afternoon wherever you are when you walk with god it'll be you and god standing walking following or walking away and being misled it's your faith. It's your experience. It's your walk. And what we want to do here at Chesterland is our goal is to help you know who he is. And you should know who he is, why you believe him. You should know what he's saying that you should believe and to guide you into how to apply what he believes so that you are really growing on the inside. It's a, you become alive. It's your standing with Christ. It's your authentic experience with Christ. And I will say that some of you don't have that experience. Some of you have been conditioned, institutionalized so long to have part of a customary part of your daily habit that when I were to ask you, if I were to ask you, what is God doing in your life? Some wouldn't know how to answer that. Some people don't know what I'm talking about. There are people who are outside of the kingdom and still are getting close and interested, but to have, to have this new relationship with Christ means you have to have a faith and become born again to be saved, to be part of the kingdom, to say, I belong to you. Now, I belong to the church. We talk about church, come to church. But we don't talk about God. We don't talk about him in a personal way. We talk about institutions and denominations and philosophies. But, but do you follow Christ? Do you identify with Christ? There are some who don't know what I'm talking about. There are some who have just kind of forgotten the basics. And you need to really grow this year. Get back to the basics. To understand that God's word is God's word to you. And prayer is for you. And the fellowship is for you. And therefore, remember what the Messiah's ministries were? That the prophet, priest, and king, that the priest, that the prophet there is to bring about the word of God so that you have faith in him. And so, so the Holy Spirit's going to enlighten you with the prophets, the truth. The priest is going to deal with this issue of forgiveness, and he's going to bring to you the encouragement that, yes, come let us reason. Though your sins be a scarlet, don't worry about your sins. Focus on me. Don't focus on getting rid of your problems. The priest says, oh, you, you need to listen. You need to sit at his feet. You need to hear the mercy of God. And that king has the authority to enable you. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what he wants. These are his goals. To encourage you, to enable you, to enlighten you, so that Christ lives in you. These are the three desires of the Holy Spirit, the three desires of the Messiah, that your faith, your forgiveness, your freedom is real. Not just an answer to a Jeopardy question. You call me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for that's what I am. Now, if I am your Lord, follow me. If I am your Lord, learn from me. If I am your Lord, serve with me. And therefore, 
These are exciting things. Let me just uh, give you a, a, a shift, uh, as, if I can, to uh, quickly. Uh, we don't know how to do this very well. As a, and we're not alone in this. All the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find that there are things that, uh, about how God works. And to discern God at work, we really do follow these admonitions that the Scripture teaches us. James says, if you ask for wisdom, he will give you wisdom. Ask him. Ask him. John 16, 13, he will guide you into all things. He will teach you all things. One of my favorite is Psalm 32, 8. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I will show you which the way you should go. But people wouldn't listen to that. Therefore, here's the point I want you to hear. The Holy Spirit will disclose to us who love God in order to do the will of God. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. He will lead you into what he wants you to learn. The Holy Spirit will disclose us to uh, the, uh, who love God and who want to do the will of God. 1 Corinthians 2.10, God has revealed it to us by the Spirit, and the Spirit searches all things. And you're part of the all things. <laughs> he searches you. God knows you. The Spirit knows you. He knows God. He knows the very heart of God. And so as he searches what God's goals are and he searches what your goals are, guess what he does? He brings them together. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. In Isaiah, in a $3 book from Half Price Books, I picked up and I picked this. Isaiah chapter 1. The, the, the donkey knows its master. The manger and an ox knows its master. But the people of God forgot that God really knows them. And they turn away from the Lord. And here's the problem. In Isaiah, uh, he says people should be consulting the Lord, but they're not, consult they're not going to God. They're not getting the instruction and the testimony from Abraham and Moses. And at that point in Isaiah's life, Israel had just turned off God completely, and they turned away and they were going around. But when the Messiah was prophesied by uh, in Isaiah, it says, In that day it will come about, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be established as the chief of mountains and will be raised above the hills. It will be superior, and all the nations will stream to it. For what purpose? Many people will say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he might, get this, teach us. You call me Lord and teacher. You're right. He's always been the Lord and teacher. from Not just for the believers and unbelievers, to the all nations. But he wants to teach us that we may walk his paths. And the law will go forth from Zion and the word from the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Well, that's what was supposed to happen in chapter 2. And then there's a whole 37 chapters where they just walked away from that. 
And then chapter 40, it starts off with a comforting passage. But note what happens in those 37 chapters between 1 and 39. Israel loses it, and they turn away. There's a, um, a new word. Do you know what this word is? Cleromancy. I had to look it up, online dictionary. It's an interesting word because it talks about divination, throwing of dice to determine the will of God. It's an oracle. The word kleros, clairvoyance probably is related somehow, but, but the idea is it's important because it's where you get the word clerk, clergy, cleric, because in ancient times those positions were appointed Set up as they are, they are. I'll leave that sentence incomplete because I don't want to go there. Um, but it's it's the random determining of the outcome of God. In Greek, kleros means lot. So you're going to figure out God, how to get God to work. You know this word because it's where we get the word lottery. How about that? And that if you take a chance and. If you t- maybe maybe this is the way to get rich. If you don't play the lottery, you have no chance of winning. But if you play the lottery, you have almost no chance of winning. So you choose. <laughs> and you would think about this as being a, a prevalent a human nature thing all the way throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. I thought, well, that's kind of Old Testament, isn't it? No, it's still going on today. Clairomancy is the idea of discerning or divining God's will through signs and omens. And here you'll see in the Cameroon this capsicky crab sorcerer who takes a crab and puts it in a bowl. And which way the crab walks, he's going to figure out the the will of God and the divination of how God was on a healing. Ecstasy. Did I pronounce that right? It's the reading of a goat's innards. And so you will have people cutting up. This is in Africa. The Turkana people of Kenya today do this. And if you're a Christian missionary there, you're coming across the chieftain and the Turkana peoples. They would open up. I didn't put. I didn't put that picture in. But there they get their hands and they open it all up and they try to follow the veins and they say, this one belongs and this one's not good. It's terrible. You're thinking about omens and signs and the end times and how do you determine the will of God? An omen, black cats or the eclipse, crystal balls or Ouija boards. We believe in this stuff because we want to know the future, Right? Back to the future. This isn't new. This is way back. Casting lots. Remember Jonah was on board? And they, the storm came up and said, oh man, we're in trouble now. Who, caught, who, who did this? Who's, a, who's to blame? And so they said, well, we'll figure out. So what did they do? They cast lots. What's a lot? That's a, what is a lot? Well, if you've never seen them, uh, it's interesting because it could be a stick, it could be a coin, it could be a stone, but they use these things. 
And they would write your name, all in the group, they would put your name on a rock and put it in a bag and, and, or choose one out, and they chose Jonah's name. Like they chose Matthias's to replace Judas. And the same way, when the soldiers crucified Jesus... They cast lots for his robe. The idea of casting lots to to determine an outcome. And of course, that outcome, Jesus says, my time has come. He loved his own to the end. He knew what was coming without casting lots because he had the Holy Spirit come upon him. This idea of of casting lots... uh, and trying to figure out omens. Remember the Balaam story where, where God was using uh, a prophet who wasn't sensitive, but the donkey was more sensitive than the prophet. They wanted to curse Israel, and Balaam said, no, I uh, can't do that. And then God had to confront Balaam through his donkey. It's another story. I won't go there. But, but the idea is that all the way through Israel, Israel grew up in a Gentile country where they would lord it over people and they'd have these divinations and it became part of the Jewish system. Believe it or not, God used these things for a young, immature group of people, but he took from the world, took from the culture, and he made it part of the system when a priest would come to make a judgment. He used the Urim and the Thummim. You know what those are? They shall be inside the pouch, the the breastplate of the priest. And when he would pull them out, they would be stones. It would be a black stone or a white stone. And it was to render judgment. Well, that's kind of a strange way of doing it. But that's the way the Gentiles would do it. We do it like this. Choose, Choose one. Choose one. Or if we don't do it that way... Uh, we would use a different way, but but the white stone would mean no, no, you're guilty. No, you're not innocent. You're you're going to be cursed. You're not blessed. And if you got the white stone, you were in trouble. Law was settled this way. Court cases were settled this way. If you got the black stone, it means you were the chosen one. You were the blessed one. This is the high priest, Urim and Thummim. We made a toy out of it. And so we're always trying to figure out how to get ahead. But Israel walked in darkness. And in that darkness, the Israel turned to the divinations of the, of the east. And therefore, when you talked about the three wise men who were coming, the Magi, in the book of Isaiah 2.6, this comes from the $3 book. This wasn't a $3. This comes from Isaiah 2. Get this. You have, Isaiah 2, 6. You have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob. They are filled with superstitions from the east. And they practice divination like the Philistines. And they clasp hands with pagans. Their land is full of silver and gold, and there is no end to the treasures. They were getting rich and comfortable in a lifestyle that was getting money because that's what they were going to the sorcerers and the seers and the oracles. You see, their goals 
was to find a way to get rich and comfortable in this life. And they totally forgot the Lord. And they sold out. For us, we want to get back into the Word of God, back into the Spirit, so that the Spirit of God forms a way in our heart that we hear Him. We know what's valuable. We know what life is. And therefore, as again, as Dallas Willard would say, spiritual formation, the goal of this ministry for the Christian, basically refers to the Spirit-driven process of forming the inner world. Your heart set free in such a way that it becomes the inner being of Christ. Christ in you. And that's what Paul would say to the Colossians. We proclaim him. We naturally proclaim him. We're not silent. We're not passive. We're not duped. We're not misled. But we admonish every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete, mature in Christ. For this purpose, For this purpose, my goal is, I labor according to his power, which mightily works in you, within me, that same spirit. And so when Rob read this passage in Judges who were turning away, they were weak men, misled men. They were following the world. But when the princes of Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves... They follow the Spirit. And that's an invitation for you and for me. But the opposite is also true. When the princes in Israel failed to take the lead, the people failed to offer themselves. And there is no praise to the Lord. And therefore... Our goal this year, as you go think about what God's doing, we want to cooperate with the Spirit. As we know that Paul would say in Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. You know this passage. You've heard it before. That why is all this evil and suffering and bad things happening? Well, God, there's a point for everything. You know, God knows what he's doing, which is true. God is sovereign. But as I studied this passage and I came across this, I thought, huh, that's a different twist. Because I look at that passage, and I invite you to go back to look at Romans 8. In the NIV it says, we know that in all things, God works for the good. That seems to say that God is independently working, using these circumstances to, to get your attention, to, to use these things for good for those that love him who've been called according to the purpose. The focus of that is God, uh, the, the all things. NASB says, we know that God, God is the subject. God causes all things to work together. And so the focus is God, again, working on the things. But that's really not the point of the passage. It says God's at work in you with you. And therefore, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. It's a tricky little phrase, and so these translations vary. Here's my, here's my translation. And this is what I think this is really saying at the heart. We, as the called ones, know that when the Holy Spirit leads us, 
and we work together with him in all circumstances. The focus isn't the circumstances, but when we work together, we work together, that's the focus that it results in the purpose good of our being conformed to the image of his son. Or put it another way, we know that when the Holy Spirit calls and leads us, and when we obey and cooperate in all of our circumstances, that he works with us. God leads us, teaches us, helps us, transforms us to the good image. And therefore, the goal, the spiritual formation uh, goal to we want to invite you to is to think about this deeper intimacy, this friendship, this understanding, camaraderie, whatever word you use, so that you will find your security and your significance that still settled peace in your heart, and you'll be grounded biblically in your faith and your hope and your love in Christ, and you'll be emboldened to love, reflecting Christ, empowered to relay forgiveness and freedom from the inside out. And then you'll be affirmed and enjoy the rich community with one another. This happens only as people genuinely are alive and vitally growing in their walk with Christ. So the context of Romans 8 is all about the Spirit of God at work. The law, he doesn't deal with the law anymore. Uh, He set us free from the law. You don't walk according to the flesh. You're not in the flesh, but Jesus raised him from the dead. He's going to lead you in the Spirit. And you being led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God, and they bear witness with your inner spirit. And he helps your weakness. He helps you when you pray. He leads you. And all that he does, he does to help you get to know Christ better. And when you do that independently, in isolation, when nobody sees you, in the morning or in the evening, you want to offer yourself. And that's what we want to do here. Because we understand what Isaiah says. I will teach all your children. This is the Holy Spirit who's going to bring that good Messiah government, the good peace, the good counsel, and then you will enjoy great peace. Well, I better stop here. Just know this. You can be misled by the world. You can be misled by your own misfortune. But if your eyes are on Christ and your ears are listening to the Holy Spirit and you really want to grow in this, And you're struggling because you don't know what faith is. You don't know how to be active. You don't know these. Join the club. You're you're welcome because none of us here have it all together. But Christ does. And so he's inviting you. Come, follow. But give yourself to me as I've given myself to you. That's what's going to happen this year as we here at Chester and the Baptist want to become followers being led by the Spirit into that formation where Christ in you is alive. (sighs) That's a lot for a new year, isn't it? We don't need the eight ball anymore. We don't need to trust the signs and omens and goat innards. We need to get into the Word of God and learn how to listen, how to trust Him. I want to pray for us as we get into this year. But know this. 
I am more interested in your faith, in your experience with Christ than anything else. 